It's the Jersey Hardwood Podcast, sponsored by LG Insurance. I'm Steve Titchener with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. The first show for 2022. Happy New Year, boys. And uh, are you ready to talk some basketball? Well, Happy New Year to uh, you and to John as well and to all our listeners. And always ready to talk some hoops. Well, let's start with Rockers. Um, big game um, on Tuesday night. I was there. Uh, first win over uh, Michigan. Now, Michigan was shorthanded, but all their starters were there. Well, we won't apologize for a law, uh, win. Um, and it was important to get that monkey off their back and finally beat Michigan, for goodness sake. So we'll we'll, we'll take that all day. Uh, wasn't full. I mean, it was, it was very close to full. It was sold out, but not everybody came out. I think that's going to be a thing now moving forward with just a few people being spooked with the whole COVID thing. So um, there was a few empty seats, not many, but an exciting night. The rack was still loud. And, I, and I'll just say this, guys. I mean, if Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. are both going to be in the 20s, if Rutgers is going to shoot around 50%, they're going to drop a few threes and play some good defense, they're going to be hard to beat. That wasn't happening in the beginning of the season, but it certainly happened Tuesday night. And they really took it to Michigan. Michigan, um, you know, they had a lead most of the night. Michigan cut it to like eight at one point. But uh, Rutgers always answered. Um, good play. Um, good play from Caleb McConnell as well. Um, okay, he played well. Uh, Cliff is uh, moving along. He's he's uh, he's progressing, and he's he's a freak of an athlete. So um, the sky's the limit for that guy. But they're they're looking good, much better than the beginning of the season, and uh, and and a nice win over a team that they could not. Uh, touch. I mean, 14 losses all time to, to, to Michigan, never beat them, and finally got that monkey off their back. You know, pretty pretty important. Wouldn't you say, Johnny? Yeah, I think it was uh, it was a nice win, as you said, to finally to be able to, to notch that uh, um, get that notch to knock off the Wolverines. It's been it's been a long time coming, and, and as you said, they were led by their, their two main guns, and, and uh, it's it's always great to hear the announcer when uh, when Baker makes a shot with the big G. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. And Ron Harper. I mean, listen, they're only going to go as far as those two guys are going to take them. Um, they were the only ones in scoring double figures, um, and so they they need contributions elsewhere. They got uh, Big Cliff in the middle, did have twelve boards, uh, and he played well uh, in the mix against. Um, Hunter Dickinson. Um, but, you know, you take a quick look at Big Bad Michigan, who started the season at number four. And, oh, by the way, now there's seven and six, one and two in the conference. So, you know, are they, is it like a market correction with them? Are they coming back to the pack a little bit? Um, that, that aside, it, it was a great win. You needed it. And now it sets up pretty good. Uh, Nebraska on Saturday, mm-hmm. you know, should be some at, at home that, you know, you don't want to say he's going to be a win, but it should. You're off on on the right foot, and then at Penn State, which is you know you're not at Purdue right off the bat. You're at Penn State, a game that that uh, you know could and should be winnable. So maybe you get yourself going on a nice little run here, and the, the game against Michigan could be the catalyst for that. Yeah, I mean they've won three in a row now, and. The first two were cupcakes, but that's okay. They're all W's, and that's what those games were designed to do, to get them back on the beam uh, right after Christmas and, and mission accomplished. So, yeah, I mean, Rutgers still, in terms of an at-large bid, and I know I'm looking way down the road, 
has a lot of work to do because the losses they suffered earlier in the season are really going to come back to haunt them. That being said, they can still make a run in the conference. They can still do well in the tournament and take care of business by performing the rest of the way. So, Steve, your point is, is well taken. I mean, if all those things come together for Rutgers, they're going to be a tough out. That's what we expect them to be. Uh, it's just a matter of those two guys at the top leading the way, assuming that they can. You know, Steve Peichel will have his team playing hard, and they should be a force to be reckoned with in the conference. But, again, they're going to have to work hard and, and keep it up the rest of the way because they have very little room for error in terms of getting in that large bid. And you're starting to, you know, Peichel's starting to figure out this team and what he's going to get from them. I mean, besides the trifecta of Omori, you know, Baker and uh, and Harper Jr., now, you know, you got Caleb McConnell and Paul Mulcahy are like playing just, they're playing really steady now. I mean, he's a little shaky. And I got to say, Caleb McConnell, I mean, I was a little hard on him in terms of just thinking that, that you know, you know, Pykele was just leaning on him a little too much. But I will say, man, the guy's playing some just terrific defense and he's, he's getting more confident uh, in, with his offensive game. He's not forcing shots. Uh, he's taking the shots when he gets them. Uh, and um, he's playing. Um, he, he's playing more confidently, I think, on the offensive end, which really rounds out his game. And then Mulcahy, he was just all over the place at the beginning of the season, but he's starting to settle in. You know, he's not turning the ball over. Um, you know, his his assist to turnover ratio has has been very good. And now he's starting to hit the uh, hit a few shots too. He wasn't shooting. Now he is. He's spotting up and taking some threes and such. So. Uh, you know they're they're more uh, they're more a more well-rounded team right now. Uh, Andre Hyatt's been playing pretty well. The younger guys we got to figure it out. I mean, Jaden Jones has been here or there. He didn't ha- he didn't score on Tuesday. I still think he's got a lot of promise. You know, uh, you know, Dean uh, Dean Reber, uh, Mawat Mag has been hurt um, lately. He's just those. Uh, you know, I think he uh, lost a tooth on Tuesday. And then he, and then he had a, you know, he he had something else happen the previous game where he was taken out. So, but he's a, he's an athletic guy. So they've got some pieces. I mean, listen, I mean, they're 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 a senior laden team right now, and you know, they, this is the time to make the run. The question is, I'll ask you both, you Matt and John, um, is can they still? You know, can they still make the tournament even though they had that terrible start? Is it still there for them? Well, it is. As, you know, as I mentioned, they've got to continue to play well. I mean, they could finish in the top five in the conference if they play well. I mean, they could win it, right? I mean, everything's on the table. Uh, not that you would expect them to win it, but mm-hmm. there's all sorts of possibilities. And then, of course, you get to the Big Ten tournament, then you can win it and get the automatic berth. So they are not out of it. It's it's not like the slow start was the result of lack of talent. It wasn't the result of players not being available. I mean, college basketball, people are in and out all the time anymore. It's just part and parcel of what we deal with. But overall, they just were awful, and they couldn't find any rhythm. So that's what will hurt them. An average record in the Big Ten is probably not – I mean – long way to go, but I don't know if an average record in the Big Ten or maybe slightly below average with those losses is mm-hmm. going to yeah. enable them to, to get in that large berth. But but why settle for being just below 500? Mm-hmm. You know, why not why not go out and, and prove yeah. yourself and prove your worth and, and take it out of the selection committee's hands by making a case that you belong in the tournament? So that's why, I mean, you're right, John, the Nebraska game on Saturday, tomorrow as we record this, should be 
a layup for them. It's home. Rutgers is very good at home. Game's already listed as a sellout. I, you know, they've got new mask policy, whether or not anybody shows up. But you were there, Steve, for the win, and you said that it was loud, and the players talked about that they noticed it was loud, too, despite the few empty seats. So it, it's a game that should go their way. They just can't stumble. That's it. You know, they yeah. can't lose any of the games. They can't lose to Penn State. And then, then they have Maryland. And I know Maryland's not Maryland, but Maryland is still Maryland, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, and yep. so that'll be a tough one. So they've got to win all the ones they're supposed to. They've got to pull a couple of upsets. And whether or not they beat Michigan State in their only meeting, I, I don't know. But that's a long way of saying, yeah, they still have a chance. And I have to apologize, that noise that you may be hearing in the background. I'm sitting at the RWJ Barnabas Health Hockey House, which is the Devils' practice rink. And practice is about to start here. There's going to be a few players out there, but you may hear a little puck against glass or post or crossbar. The sounds of hockey making its way to Jersey. Perfect for a sports podcast. A little little action in the background, Matt. We love it. Exactly. If it gets too loud, just signal and I'll move to another spot. Uh Shoot the puck, Barry. (laughs) Always. Absolutely. You know, it might sound cliche, but Steve, you ask if they have a chance to make the tourney. The biggest thing I think for them right now is they've got to stay healthy. I mean, Mm -hmm. you could say that about any team in the country. But for, for a squad that is so dependent on Gio and and, yep. and uh, mm-hmm. Harper and, you know, their two main guns, I mean, if Gio goes down like he has in the past couple of years, then I, then I think you're really facing an uphill battle because I think it's gotten to the point now where when games and when practices are over, Steve Peinkel should put both of those guys in bubble wrap so that they get back <laughs> to the dorm and everybody's uh, good to go between – practices and games and things like that. But the, the schedule now is where they really have to make their hay because down the road, you're looking at, they have a stretch with Michigan state, Ohio state, Wisconsin, all top 25 teams. But in the, for the foreseeable future, as we mentioned, Nebraska, Penn state, Maryland, Iowa, Minnesota, Maryland, Nebraska, and Northeastern, uh, Northeastern, Northwestern. That's yeah. where you, you've got to really hammer it right there yeah because down the road is where you're like i said you run that gauntlet with those teams you haven't seen purdue yet then you're at michigan again and you know katie bar the door so now the the time is now and um can they get it done as they like to say we shall see yeah Yeah, you know and our our good friend jerry carino wrote after the michigan win that you know for those naysayers that thought that rutgers success transferred out, you know, referring to Jacob Young and Miles Johnson and to a, a lesser degree, Montez Mathis, that left the program. No, it's still Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. And he's right. Those two guys are the real instrumental guys. But your point is excellent, John. That's it. I, I know some of those other guys, Steve, as you detailed, are starting to come on and they'll be able to carry some of the load. But if those two go down or one of those two go down, uh, the chances it's become, oh, it, it, it's I, because I don't think that Paul Mulcahy is the guy that can carry the team. Maybe, and maybe some point in his career he will be able to. But right now, it's Baker and Harper Jr. They've got to be one too. They got to figure out a way to share the ball enough that they can have the impact that everyone is expecting they will. Well, hey, listen, you, know, you mentioned Jerry. He wasn't he wasn't all that complimentary about Juwan Howard's bench coaching either. Did you notice? That? No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was yeah. All there was a, there was a right. lot of. There was a lot of booing going on at the end of that game. 
uh, especially when they, you know, it was pretty much decided, but he kept calling timeouts and such. And everybody was booing him up pretty, pretty, pretty good. And then there was some sort of dust up at the end there. I don't know what the hell happened, but it, uh, one of the, um, uh, one of the, uh, Michigan players had to be walked off the court because he was all hot after that when on the handshake end of, at the end there. So I, I'm not sure what happened there. But it seems like there's a little bit of bad blood. But you know, uh, to your point, Matt. You know, if if that's 47 points they got from Gio and Ron Harper Jr. Man, 27 exactly. from Gio, 20 from Ron Harper Jr. If they can do that every night, man, they'll they'll be tough to beat. That's just the that's just if they play hard defense and those guys are filling the hole like that, it, it's gonna work. But that, that we know, guys, that doesn't happen every night. And uh, and so uh, if they can be consistent like that and Gio, I mean, was confident, you know, clearly he's he's healed now. I said there's always seems to be an issue where Gio is coming off of illness or um, some sort of ankle injury or and then in this case, it was the hamstring and all that. And then you got to wait for him to get back to 100 percent. Well, he's 100 percent. And when he's 100 percent, man, the, the, you know, he can play. The kid can play. And he's a he's a he's um, he's a guy who. You know, every single time that Michigan made a run, they'd come down, and and and, and most of the time it was Geo who just hit it. You know, a three or even um, even something on you know you know near the foul line. He's you know his jumper was just on, and and um, and again, if they shoot fifty percent, if those guys are playing well. And, you know, right, yeah, and again, Michigan was shorthanded, but they, you know, come on, they got the best big man in the Big Ten, who 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 played very well. And um, and they uh, they still handled Michigan uh, uh, pretty well at home, that is. But, uh, hey, uh, an important win. And now, you know, Nebraska Saturday uh, again uh, at home. Uh, it should should be able to handle Nebraska, although, you know, look, they've been pretty good. They've lost some really tough ones late. Um and then you got Penn State and Maryland on the road, but both teams, you know, are, are beatable teams right now. I'll be at that Maryland game, by the way. I'm going to take a trip down to uh, see some friends down in D.C., and uh, and we're, we're going to go to that uh, that game. So uh, uh, looking forward to seeing uh, Rutgers on the road there. Nice. But, uh, but uh, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, it's all in front of them. I mean, you know, if you look, you can only move forward, but if you look back, I mean, that one, that loss to Lafayette really, really looks bad on the resume, but, and, you know, you can almost excuse the uh, the losses on the road to DePaul and UMass, but again, both of them, they should have won too. Um, that's where they're really, uh, where the resume really doesn't look good, but all you can do is move forward, play the Big Ten schedule, and then listen, man, if they you know, if the if they if they can if they can stay 500 in, in, in Big Ten, they still should be enough for them. Although the the early losses do hurt, and um, and we'll see. It's all in front of them. Getting into the new year here, a lot of win- winnable games in January. Um, let's uh, let's switch it over. Let's give a shout out to our uh, sponsor, LG Insurance, Aaron Levine, and Aaron's going to come on the show, guys. We're going to have him on, and we're going to chat chat him up. Um, He's an insurance company based out of Long Branch, but he's statewide. Great guy. He's been my insurance agent for for years, and uh, he's uh, he sponsors the show. We really appreciate it. We're gonna have Aaron on so we can talk a little bit about um, his business, and also you know he's a, he's a sports fan too. So we're gonna we're gonna um, we're gonna chat up some Jersey basketball with Aaron. We'll have him on soon. Let's uh, let's switch over to Seton Hall, and they're they're really get they're on the ice now, Matt, huh? Here. Yeah, I may have to move to another spot. Nah, it's we, starting to get a little noisy. Okay. By the way, John, uh, there is a Providence College alum on the ice for the New Jersey Devils, John Gillies. 
who was a goaltender for the Friars and now is one of our backups. And there you go. So, so there's a little, little Providence pride out on the ice. I like that. I like uh, to hear that. Yeah, I remember that name. Awesome. All right, let's get into Seton Hall, boys. Number 24 in the country, 10-3, and 1-2 in conference. Uh, lost to Villanova, and then number 16, Providence, Johnny. Um, looking yeah. good until they got mugged by Marquette. We'll talk about that a little later. But, uh, yes. but, uh, but uh, Matt, uh, you know, Seton Hall, the Pirates, 10-3. Uh, and three. Uh, not, not the best start in the conference play. Again, Villanova is always a thorn in their side. And then Providence, you know, who knew that Providence was going to be as good as they, as they, uh, as they are. Not me. All right. But still, uh, you know, 10 and three, uh, looking very strong and they should be, um, they should be a force in, in, in the, in the big East without a doubt. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, the two games, and I mentioned it earlier, with COVID, players are in and out of lineups, and everyone's affected by it. Every team is affected by it. But uh, Seton Hall was shorthanded in their two losses. Uh, they gave Villanova everything they could handle at Prudential Center. In fact, had a lead late in the game. But the lack of size uh, affected them with Tyree Samuel out and Ike Biagu out. And then fouling out their only guy of real size after that, Alexis Yetman. And so the board in the last four minutes went mm-hmm. Villanova's way. And kudos to them for winning. So that was uh, part of the problem. Providence is just a good team. It was on the road and against Seton Hall was shorthanded. But guys are coming back. They won the other night against Butler on the road in Indianapolis. Obiagu was unbelievable coming off the COVID protocol list. They've got a game Saturday against UConn at Prudential Center. UConn's missing some guys. Seton Hall will get Tyree Samuel back. And so they're, they're a good team. Uh, the losses are what they are, but this is a good team. This is a very good team. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree. It's tough to play when you're you're shorthanded, and that's what they have been. Not to take anything away from how well they played in those games. I mean, it it, it took uh, it took down to the final minutes up in Rhode Island for the, for Providence to finally put that game away, and then. Villanova on on the weekend, same thing. They were right in it until the end. And I think, you know, as, as we talk about maybe Michigan not being as great as their lofty, um, you know, standards at the beginning of the year, I think Villanova, I don't think this is going to be a banner uh, Villanova season. I think that they're, they can be had up front, which is where if Obiagu was around, they really could have, uh, could have, gotten that win on on Saturday against Villanova. Um, So as you said, they're getting everybody back, should be healthy. I think the game um, this weekend with with Connecticut should be uh, an all-time classic, a a true rock fight because these guys are really going to be going after each other. You know, Danny wants to beat his alma mater. His team is banged up and has been shorthanded. Danny was in the COVID protocols for a while. You know, this COVID is not going away, and it's it's really taken its toll on uh, a lot of these schools and teams. And it's it's sort of like when when is it going to hit your program? You know, you, I've seen some coaches say we're kind of glad that we got it out of the way now, and uh, we're hopefully going to be healthy for the for the long stretch. But um, Seton Hall right now get a round back into form and and hopefully pick up where they started their season, which was. Hot, 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 and we'll see that as it goes on from here. My surprise with Seton Hall is 
Bryce Aiken. I got to be frank with you, man. I, uh, you know, he's hurt last year. You really didn't see what kind of player he was, right? I never saw him play at Harvard, but he's coming from Harvard, you know? So, you know, he's coming from an Ivy. So you figure, you know, is this guy going to be, what kind of player is is this guy really going to be? He gets healthy. Uh, you know, Willard says he works his butt off and, the, the, you know, he's, he's that kind of kid, just works his tail off. And uh, my goodness, I mean, uh, he's got an unbelievable, he's quick as can be, unbelievable first step. He gets around, he get, drives to the basket. Um, not only that, he, he's he's a guy who's willing to take his shot late. So what I'm seeing is a guy that can really carry this team, you know, into the into the tournament and deep into the tournament because you need that guard play, Matt. You need that point guard. And I did not realize he would be that good. Did you? Um, um, no, I, I'm surprised. I think the injuries clearly kept him down. Uh, but being healthy, and he's older too. He's 25 years old. He turned 25 uh, okay. in December. Mm-hmm. So that is a huge benefit. Yeah. That's also an advantage that Seton Hall has. But but the ability. You got oh, no, the ability, man. Well, he was highly recruited. He just chose to go to Harvard. Okay. Uh, it's not like bigger schools, and I couldn't give you a list. He was not on Duke's list, you know, or UCLA's necessarily um, because of his size. But he he was he was a very very good player at the Patrick School. And he had a tremendous run at Harvard. Just injuries kept him from achieving all he had hoped to. So, yeah, his health is is important. You know, Tamir Harris gives them another smaller point guard. But that's that's where they have a little trouble. That could be an Achilles heel. They don't have size at that spot. He might have a 6'4 ball handler. Uh, They don't really. But other than that, they've got it all. I, I think Aiken is very, very important. He might very well be the key, Steve, uh, because without him, they don't really have someone who can play the way he does. Fearless, not afraid to take the shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harris has a little bit of that in him, but Aiken has one indispensable talent, and, and that is guts. And he is not afraid to take the shot. He's got a little Miles Powell in him in terms of wanting to take the last shot, not afraid to take the long-range shot. Right. So, yeah, he, he is very critical. But their depth, their depth is going to take them a long way. It's something we've talked about an awful lot. Uh, yeah. As long as they can stay healthy, they are going to be a really tough out. I don't think people really, you know, because they came out of somewhat, somewhat out of nowhere, right? They didn't have a great mm-hmm. year last year. What's, what do they have coming back? They, they, they do bring a lot of guys back, and they imported a few, but really how good are they going to be? I I think when you start from a position of, like, who are these guys, it takes a while for the publicity to catch up. And I think people don't realize nationally. I mean, you get the experts saying this and that, but I don't think people really give you all enough credit. It's a really, really good team. It really is. Good team. And you mentioned uh, Bryce Aiken. I, I think, um, as Matt mentioned, he was a big-time recruit coming out of high school. I, I think it's been, we talked before about injuries being cliche. You've got to stay healthy. That's the only thing that's really derailed him. And I think it's even a year too late. I remember, Matt, when he signed with Seton Hall out of Harvard two years ago, he was one of the first guests you had on Pirates Talk. And I remember listening to uh, the great conversation that you guys had, and he was looking forward to the year. But last year was really a lost year. I mean, 
COVID was a part of it all, but he was never healthy last year. And it was almost like, oh, God, another season. This guy's such a tease, you know. He's so good, but he's never on the floor. Well, now he's actually been on the floor, and you can see what he can do. And he's he's a vital cog right now. You mentioned as a 25-year-old, he's somebody that gives them experience and a and have been there, done that kind of a vibe in the in the in the dorms, in the locker room, and on the floor. And he's taking big shots. I mean, he he's yeah. sort of taken over from um, Mamu with with taking late game shots this year. Uh, he and Roden, not like you can just key in on Jared Roden. And, well, you know, the, um, he's the, been a pleasant surprise. The intangibles are there too. You know what I mean? Like he's like he plays with attitude, man. He wants to beat you. You, you know, he's it's he's. Uh, He's got confidence, you know. I mean, it's it's all the things that 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 I, I think are really driving this team. I mean, they got a lot of talent, but he's a big part of it. And I think I don't know if Seton Hall folks are kind of surprised at just how good he is, or if it's they they were just waiting for this 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 player to, to emerge. And and so as a guy, you know, as a, you know, come on, a, a Rutgers alum who's following RU and just kind of keeping Seton Hall in the corner of their eye. You know, I didn't know what kind of player he was, but now watching him play, and I'm I'm watching Seton Hall more this year than ever. He, I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's a player, man, and you yeah, know, not you, surprised. And and you know, when you you get into the tournament, Matt, you know, you need good guard play, man, and there you go. So yeah, it's really it comes down to health with him. I think what you're seeing from him this year is a player who finally feels healthy. Think about it. You're given some skills, whatever it might be in a particular field, but we're talking basketball, so let's talk hoops. You're giving these skills that enable you to play at a very high level, but never really able to play as high as you can go because you're always hurt. So, you know, your confidence is, is dinged and your body has failed you. It's a mental grind. But now, it's his last year. He's older. He loves the game. I mean, if you hear him speak, you realize how much... He does love the game. He's got a different kind of spirit about him. And listen, I'll take talent over spirit, but when you have talent and spirit, it's a good combination. So he's just got a different approach to life and the way he thinks about things. And I I think he's grateful. He's grateful that he's got his health and that he can play the way he had always hoped to play. Mm -hmm. He's got the education. He's at Seton Hall for uh, postgraduate studies. All that stuff is good. But when he came out of the Patrick school. He thought, you know, I'm going to go to Harvard. I'm going to be really good. We're going to win all these titles and I'm going to be able to just maximize everything I've been given both in the classroom and on the courtroom or on, on the court. And he just wasn't able to do that. So I think there's a, I said, there's a gratefulness to his game that propels him. Mm -hmm. I don't know how far, because if you don't have the ability, it doesn't matter how grateful you are, but he's got the combination. And I think, that's why he's been so effective this year. And so now you got you got UConn at at the Rock. Uh, we talked we talked about that, and then Seton Hall goes on the road at DePaul at Marquette, and it's tricky, right? You're you're clearly Seton Hall is better than both those teams, but you know you're going to their place. It is the Big East. It's a grind every night, but they're still expected to win those games. Oh yeah, they are, and you can never say they're going to win because you play the game for a reason, but they should. But look at Providence. You know, they mm -hmm. got smacked by Marquette, which picked up its first Big East win. They're shot to smart. 
So take it one at a time, right? Don't get too far ahead of yourself. But Seton Hall is in a very, very good spot. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. And Johnny, tell us a little about, about Providence there, playing lights out, and then a little uh, hiccup there against Marquette. Well, you know, to be honest, as Matt said, we caught a couple of teams that were on uh, having COVID issues. We caught Connecticut when they were missing one of their players, but winning on the road in the conference is not easy, and winning at the XL Center in Harvard is no easy chore. We were able to do that. Um, beating Seton Hall was a, was a nice win, and it will look even nicer at the end of the season when they're peaking and they're you know a top fifteen probably team. Uh, headed out, we. They, they were on the road since uh, Friday. They went out and played Paul, and they annihilated DePaul. And then, uh, you know, Marquette, let's face it, the last three games, they lost two games in overtime and one game in double overtime. So they're, they're not some cupcake. They're, they were ready to explode. And it was sort of a, it was a perfect storm. They were ready to get their first win, and we were ready to get annihilated. So I, I think we'll find out more about the Friars on Saturday when they take on St. John's, who got uh, Champagny back, who's 30 points a game. And so uh, if they can right the ship Saturday, then uh, we'll, we'll know that uh, the season is still going to be on the up and up. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure they're surprising you a little bit, though. You know, you didn't expect to be, uh, you know, a top twenty team at this point, and so um, you know, it's certainly not, exciting. No. So we'll we'll see uh, we'll see how Providence uh, rolls yeah, along here. I didn't. They have win. They won at Wisconsin. They were missing their best player at the time, but winning at Wisconsin, as you know, as a Big Ten guy, is not easy. They beat Texas Tech. I mean, all these teams are in the top twenty-five, and so they they have some good um, pelts on the wall. Um, can they keep it going moving forward in the Big East? Again, as I like to say, we shall see. And we shall see uh, the rest of the, the year here, guys. We're just getting going here in January. We'll have uh, the Jersey Hardwood podcast all a season long, right up through March Madness. Really excited. We've got a ton of great basketball, Jersey basketball coming up. I think we got to let Matt get back to his practice. Say, hey, Matt, you got to say hi to say hi to Jack Hughes and Nico and PK and the whole crew, all right? I'll, I'll give them the link to the show, too. <laughs> yeah, they can hear it. You know, they're, they're banging that glass. They're banging that glass pretty good. So, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it must be uh, must be cool, you know, to give to be able to 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 not only just you know follow the team, Matt, obviously, and but to be able to be locked into practices and you know talk to the players and all that stuff, man, it must be uh, it's a fun job, man. It, it, it's, it has to be. That it is. It's you know? a privilege to do what I do. I'm lucky to have been able to do it for as long as I have, and I never tire of watching the best athletes in the world, whatever sport I covered. On the professional level, I mean, it was different in high school, which I loved, by the way, covering Johnny Mack and those Wilburn Millers winning a greater Newark tournament championship. What year was that, Johnny? That was 1984. There we go. Ooh, man, we're in the wayback machine. But I was there and so were you, so we're in the same demographic. I'm yeah. a little older than you are. You were yeah. playing. I was in that. Anyway, I had great respect for all of those athletes, too. But when, when I've been privileged to get to a level where I watched whether it's the NBA or it's Major League Baseball or the National Hockey League, these are the best of the best. And to watch them do things I could only dream of doing athletically is a thrill. And just to watch the best play the best 
is so much fun. So yeah, no, I've been I've been really lucky. Even practices don't get boring for me. That's for sure. Well, yeah, let me ask you. Obviously, you got access to the Devils players all the time, but okay, yeah, the Penguins are in town, and 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 Sid's on the ice. Sidney Crosby's on the ice. I mean, do you get to go up and kind of chat with them after practice? Uh, until COVID, yes. Um, oh, okay. The dressing cool. rooms were always open, and you could go in. And you know, Sid is one of the best. Is one of the best. Uh, you know, with so much demand on his time. For instance, in Pittsburgh, the room would open. All the media. Locally would go there. The visiting media would go there and surround them and get their sound bites and get their video clips. And then they would depart. But, you know, he just loves hanging out there. Some guys who are quick to get out of the room. Right. And, you know, they do what they need to do, but they want to move on. And there are other guys who just love hanging out. Right. Sidney Crosby's one of the guys who loves loves to hang out. And, And one of the things that I would do with Chico Resch, who's my radio partner, we would just sit there. And even before that, when she goes on TV and I was working with some others on the radio side, whatever, you could just sit there and he talked to you for 20 minutes and it wouldn't necessarily be about hockey. He, you know, did you see that? Are you watching some show? How's family? Yeah, it's nice. But COVID changed all that. Uh, now it's Man. a lot of distance. You can't get into the room. You got to uh-huh. ask guys to come out. And in those circumstances, you know, you just can't really – get to know them as right. well because you know you pull them out of their dressing room and stand in the hallway and they're in some sweaty workout clothes and you know they don't want to be there for 15 minutes shooting the breeze i mean they right. would but it's just a different environment when you can just sit next to their stall and yeah and it just tells you how much COVID has changed, changing things, you know, just not on just, you know, people coming out to the games and such, you know, but the whole, you know, you got to go and get a test every day. And it's just a, yeah. it's just a, it's a, it's a different world for sure. Can't wait. Yeah, for I mean, it's not a bad, overall, not a bad us. price. Yeah. Not right. a bad price to pay, but right. I hope that next year uh, we can go back to where we're given at least some time to get into the locker rooms after practice or after a game. Because yeah. it does change the relationship you have with the mm-hmm. player. Uh, right. You know, certainly with the home team, you want to get to know them a lot better. Right. You know, with guys on the road, the visitors, mm-hmm. it is just it's just wonderful to be able to talk to Steven Stamkos or to right. Victor Hedman or mm-hmm. Jonathan Quick or, you know, any of the great stars of this game. Just spend a few minutes with them. And, and Sid Crosby is one of the right. best players ever and yeah. the great people ever just has time for everyone so. and i'm going out i'm going out to pittsburgh to the ottawa pittsburgh game in in uh, pittsburgh on the 20th so i'm excited about nice. my, my first time going into is it still called the igloo or no is it no different building okay CPG, so it's not called the igloo anymore. Uh, okay. yeah ppg arena gotcha uh, the, the igloo no longer exists cool well i'm looking forward to it that'll be a lot yeah, of fun nice building yeah yeah all right, yeah. Jer- Jersey Hardwood podcast. Uh, like I said, we'll be here through March talking Jersey basketball. I'm Steve Titchener with Matt Lachlan on the line, with John McAleeby on the line. Uh, we're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. You can get us on SoundCloud. That's where we're hosted. So find the podcast, listen to it, and we'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>